Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Okay, so what we want to look at today then is... So you see all this stuff going on on the ground. You see all this bad stuff. Biden just signed a, a Protection of Marriage Act, which it doesn't protect anyone's marriage, really, biblically speaking. Um, when you see this, what you need to understand is that the war that's happening on the ground here is happening also in the heavenlies. And what we, we, we fail sometimes to realize is that there's... All that we're in right now is a spiritual conflict. And this conflict has been going on even before man was created. And we call this the angelic conflict. And this started back in Satan's rebellion and started when he took a third of the angels that believed in him to do this rebellion uh, against God. And it's been ever ongoing and will eventually come to a climax uh, at the second coming. But nonetheless, we're in the middle right now of an angelic conflict. That's why you're seeing evil that's kind of, you would say, beyond human, that it's going to a different level of evil that humans really are not capable of thinking of. And when you see that level of evil, it means the fallen angels and the demons are heavily involved in the influence of humans to think this way. I mean, who would think, you know, even 10 years ago that we'd be talking about like, hey, we don't even know how to define a, a woman or a male. You would la like laugh at that, but yet now that's debatable. That's a level of evil we've never seen before. The, the, uh, the level of evil for abortion, the level of evil for um, transgenderism and, and then doing that to kids. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a level that goes angelic, fallen angels in, in, is what I'm referring to. So that being the case, what I want you to see in Daniel um, chapter 10 as we're going through the book of Daniel is I want you to see um, the war behind the war. And I want you to see the angelic conflict just a little bit. It's a, it's a glimpse into it in Daniel chapter 10. And um, it can be unnerving uh, a little bit it, it um, could freak you out a little bit. But here's what I want you to understand. It's in the Bible and it's in the book of Daniel for you to know it. God wants you to know this, that this is beyond human, what's going on. And he wants us to take that in and also understand how he has equipped us, how he's protected us against these types of creatures. So, we're, we're gonna delve into basically what we call Satanology or demonology today a little bit um, and try to then point out some application from that, okay? So we're, we're gonna be in Daniel chapter 10, one through 21. And um, it starts out like this. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. That's his name that he had in Babylon. He's now in Persia now, right, with, under Cyrus. Um, the message was true, but the appointed time was long. And that last phrase, um, but the appointed time was long, uh, that's probably not a good translation. Um, 
the way the Hebrew is constructed, you have gadol, which means war, and they have tesaba, uh, which means great. And, and really, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be translated, appointed, the appointed time was long. It should be translated that it concerned a great warfare for Israel. And that warfare will be illustrated in chapter 11 and chapter 12, which we, that's talking about the tribulation and uh, more of the Antichrist. So anyway, so Daniel basically is going to get another vision of the last days. And this, this one really upsets him because he's going to see um, the finality of things, the, the war of Armageddon and stuff like that. So... Um, that's what he's getting prepared to, to hear about. And Daniel's reflecting on the message he got, and he mentions this, and he understood the message. So in the previous messages, a lot of times he didn't understand it, but he did understand this time for some reason, and has understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, and the idea is that once he saw this, he went into mourning for three weeks, 21 days, okay? And that's important to understand because that's going to be connected to the spiritual realm that you're going to see in just a bit. I ate no pleasant food, no meat nor, or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And we, we know that this is around uh, the month of Nisan, so March, April, we, uh, we have some idea that Daniel probably started this um, before Passover and it continued through Passover into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So you end up with a, a 21-day period in the month of Nisan. Okay, um, it goes, now on the 24th day of the first month, again, this is Nisan, as I was uh, by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz, his body was like beryl, and his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. So let's unpack that. Um, this is not an angel. This is actually a vision of the pre-incarnate Messiah, okay? So if you match what Daniel's seeing here and you match it to Revelation 1 of what John sees in the book of Revelation, they're identical. Therefore, the two are connected. This is appearance of the Messiah in this vision, okay? And how do we know? Because he's clothed in linen, the purity, whose waist is girded in gold. And so that's the same golden sash that's around Messiah in the first one and his body like beryl. The idea of beryl is like a topaz. It's a, uh, a clear rock that has a gold tint to it. Um, it's clear, but yet it's gold. It's like the golden streets of heaven. It has a clear tint, but it's, sorry, it's clear, but it has a gold tint. And, and the idea of lightning, the eyes of fire, feet burnished bronze, all of that is a reference to judgment that this is the Messiah in his glory in judgment. And it's, it's, it's given this to tell Daniel that, yes, we're going to talk about a war of Armageddon. We're going to talk about the Antichrist trying to wipe out Israel. But he's given him the reassurance that the, the Son of Man 
will be the one who destroys all this and brings everything to an end, Daniel. So he gets a glimpse of the Messiah in judgment. And that's what you see in Revelation 1. Here's the interesting thing. If you ever want to do any like, research and compare Daniel with John, they're virtually treated the same way. Daniel, in this passage, will be called the beloved. And in the New Testament, John will be called the beloved. Isn't it interesting? And so both of them are giving this, this huge amount of prophecy. And both of, of them are, are basically of the same category. They're very special to the Lord. Anyway, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. So it was kind of like Paul with, on the road of Damascus, where only Paul saw and heard the, the Lord and understood him, versus the people that are with him, they didn't, they didn't understand what was happening. He thought it was thunder or lightning or something like that going on. But same thing, same thing with him, Daniel. The people around them don't understand what's happening. So they, they realize something's happening, but they can't figure it out. Only Daniel can. So they fled and hit, and, and, uh, to hide themselves. So they, they couldn't take it, whatever, whatever they uh, uh, saw. They were just afraid. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw the great vision, and no strength remained in me. So it actually seemed the Messiah in this vision actually started killing him. And this is what happens when people see the glory of the Messiah uh, or the glory of God, they can't stand in his presence. It literally starts killing them. And so he starts remain, uh, his strength starts leaving him and he's gonna fall down and get weak. And basically, like, even like with Isaiah, he saw the, the picture uh, of the Lord in a vision and he saw the train of the Lord's uh, robes and he literally said, I'm coming apart. I can't take it because of the holiness and the glory that's involved. So, yeah, so in your flesh, if we saw God, it would kill us. We couldn't, we couldn't handle it. Um, and so anyway, that's what starts happening to him. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. So it, it, it literally knocks him out, and that's actually a preservative to keep him alive, because if he would have remained awake, he would have died. So he, he actually gets put to sleep, just the same as Abraham gets put to sleep when God makes the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham. He put Abraham to sleep. And, and so he does the same thing with Daniel. Anyway, then another creature enters the place. So you go from the Messiah, the God-man, and then another creature that we know as an angel comes in and revives him. So suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on my palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. There's that word beloved that's given to the apostle John as well. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking his word to me, I stood trembling. So he's still trembling, he's still afraid, but he is revived by this, this angelic figure coming in and basically going to tell him what's going to happen in the future. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Now remember, 
He had been doing this for 21 days. He had sought the Lord on this. And, and, and um, he's at a loss and nothing's happening. And so it takes 21 days for his prayers to be answered. The question then is, why does it take 21 days for his prayer to be answered? Well, the angel's going to explain why. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And what is that? Who is this prince of Persia? Well, this is not a real human prince that's with, withholding this angel to get to Daniel. This is a ruler, a principality that is assigned to Persia. And as this angel is coming to go to Daniel, this angel is then withheld by this other fallen angel that's, more stronger, that's stronger than the one that Daniel's talking to, and he actually is holding this guy back from getting a message to Daniel. Now that brings a whole new ball game into perspective about not only prayer, but about answered prayer and about the activities in this world. It is apparent then, based on this passage, that Satan has his powers and rulers and principalities spread out over the planet, and they are actually assigned to certain countries. As you see, this is the prince of Persia. This means this is a high-ranking fallen angel that's controlling the area and has authority over that area, and he is able to hold back one of God's angels. Now, this lends the, to the idea that because Satan lacks omnipresence, because God can be anywhere he wants to, Satan lacks that, he has to spread out his, his army all over the globe because he's not omnipresent. In order to be omnipresent, or at least to counterfeit that, he has to use other fallen angels to be over certain areas of the world. Rest assured, there's a fallen angel that has been assigned to the United States, to Canada, to all the countries of the world, by the way. And rest assured, you can break it down even further into other lower fallen angels that are over districts, over counties, over cities, and down to the community level, and even further down to the individual level. Now, we don't know how many of these fallen angels there are. We know there was a third. Uh, the two-thirds that remained with God are innumerable. So we, again, we just don't know. It could be millions, it could be trillions. We don't know. But here's what you have to understand. What we see now going on in America is tied to these, these princes that are ruling our country. How do we know? Because of their influence. The influence in the United States means that the, that the fallen angel realm is pushing the agenda through. So you people ask, well, who's behind all this? Yeah, I can punt to the globalists and the Bill Gates and the George Soroses, and I can punt to the World Economic Forum and the UN and every leftist that's here as a, a human, but what's beyond them? What is pushing them? Well, I can tell you how it goes, and Carl Teichrib made a good analyzation, and I think it's, he's right on this. It starts with pushing the religion, a false religion, okay? And what you see in society is that religion then pushes um, the worldview of a society. 
And then that worldview then affects um, the philosophy of the society. And then that philosophy affects the arts and sciences. And then it affects the political. And I think he's right on that. If you follow the line down all the way to politics, you can trace it back to arts. You can trace it back to, um, you know, philosophy. This is, philosophy means this is how we do things now. Trace it back further, and you end up with a religion. So when you see leftism and socialism and communism and wokeism and all this stuff going on, you trace it back to the influence of a religion. And rest assured, the religion that's being pushed in America and around the world are coming from these types of creatures, these fallen angels. They're the ones pushing the agenda, and humans are dumb enough to believe them. And humans think this is the right thing, and they don't even know they're being influenced, and so they execute the plan physically based on the influence of the fallen angel. And that's what this prince of Persia, he's influencing uh, Persia against who? Who is in Persia right now? Israel. And one of the main guys is Daniel. So what you'll see in this angelic conflict, it always involves Israel. And, and, and so this prince is trying to withhold the influence of the, of the information that's coming from God to give to Daniel, to give to the nation of Israel. And so there's, this is the war. Now, here's the thing. If a prince of Persia is stronger than one of the angels that God sends, that prince can't hold him off. And notice he hold him, held him off for 21 days and would have continued to hold him off until someone entered the picture. So, here, get back here. Oops. So, if you want to think of the world divided up, this is how it would somewhat appear if you could see the spiritual realm. You would have princes over certain areas of the world, probably more than this. And what we call this is a spiritual domain and the authority over the Gentile nations. This is how we would look in the spiritual realm, if you could see it. Probably more, but at the end of the day, this is how the world in the spiritual realm is constructed. And then you start realizing that there are certain reasons why different areas of the world are more evil than others. Because they'll have more of these fallen angels concentrated there, more of an influence, and especially if Christianity is not there, then it appears to be that the demonic realm or the fallen angel realm takes over that area and becomes out of control. You see places like this in India, you see places like this in uh, Tibet, uh, you see places like that in you know different parts of Africa that are heavily influenced. Um, and now what we're starting to realize is it's happening to America now. So you have major princes that are influencing America and it's because of the lack of Christianity. And here's the thing, if Christianity doesn't 
rise up, they will take over America. That's the idea. And what, we're, what, what is the trend line we're seeing? The influence of Christianity is waning. It's getting worse. Well, that means every time we don't take territory, that means they take more. That's how the game is played. It's all about, it's all about sacred space. It's all about the geographical areas. And it, the space we give up is the space they take. Look at California. How much space is left where Christians can actually do what they need to do? Forget about San Francisco, forget about Sacramento, forget about LA, forget about San Diego. Those places are all taken by fallen angels. Yeah, are there Christians there? But what, what, what's happening in those places? They're being overrun by this influence because there's not enough, not enough Christians pushing back. And so Christianity loses territory to these creatures. Now, how do we know they're assigned to different locations? Well, it's simple. You go back to Deuteronomy 32. It's the greatest example of how God divided things up. It says, when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations. This is talking about the Tower of Babel, okay? Um, when he separated the sons of Adam at the Tower of Babel, right? He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, in your Bible, it's translated to the, the, to the children of Israel. That's a, an incorrect translation. Based on archaeology and manuscript evidence with the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predated everything we had in the Bible by a thousand years, the Dead Sea Scrolls, when it quoted Deuteronomy 32.8, says sons of God, not children of Israel. And why is that important? Because even in the context, when... Let me ask you this. When God separated the people at the Tower of Babel, was the nation of Israel in play? No. Not for like thousands of years later. So you cannot say that Israel existed and that God divided up the people at the Tower of Babel according to Israel, because Israel didn't exist. So we now have the evidence manuscript evidence that that was a mistranslation and the translation should be Benaha Elohims, the sons of God, which refer to angelic creatures, in this case, fallen angelic creatures. So what happened? Deuteronomy is now telling you a little bit more insight about the Tower of Babel, that God did scatter them, but he gave them over to the creatures they were worshiping. Because remember at the Tower of Babel, they were worshiping stars and the heavens, the stars represented the fallen angels. That's the signs of the zodiac and all of that. That was the realm of the fallen angels. So in essence, they were worshiping fallen angels. Therefore, when God scattered them, he gave them over to the creatures they were worshiping. Said basically this, it's a Romans one thing. You want them, I'm gonna give them to you. And that fallen angel will be your prince since you don't want me. And let's see how he rules you. And so he put these nations who were worshiping these creatures under these creatures, and it wreaked havoc. And so all the nations had went astray. So what does God do? He starts a new nation. And you know that nation to be Israel. And that nation is God's nation, God's people, who are not 
under the authority of fallen angels. All the, the Gentile nations were put under the authority of fallen angels. But Israel was not, because Israel belongs to God, and Israel is special. They are not under uh, fallen angel authority. They are under the authority of Michael, the archangel, okay? This is significant. This is how God was going to reclaim the nations through the nation of Israel. That's how his plan was, to regather them back let them, ha- let them be destroyed basically by these fallen angels and then he would regather them back under the nation of Israel. That's how you understand Deuteronomy, the Tower of Babel, and these princes that are over different countries. So then Paul notes this in, in Ephesians 6 and his notation tells you there are categories of fallen angels who have different assignments. So he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but here's the the ranks. Principalities against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Where is Paul getting this? He's getting it from basically Deuteronomy 32. And basically what Paul is saying is here are the ranks, the satanic ranks of fallen angels. You have rulers, which in Daniel 10, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a ruler, okay, which is the high ranked, the highest ranked. Then under them were principalities. Then your powers and authorities. And another one is basically the same, the diamonds, the other powers. Then there's dominions or lords. Then there's thrones. There's world rulers. And there's spiritual forces. These are the ranks of the fallen angels. Fallen angels, not good angels, but fallen. This is how it's organized. And this is who you fight against. This is who you fight against. This is who we're fighting against in America. This is who we're fighting against in the schools. This is who we're fighting against in your own families. When you see family members go haywire and they're woke and they're crazy and they're leftist and they're ungodly, you're fighting not just against flesh and blood, you're fighting against one of these creatures maybe a spiritual force, maybe from demonic influence that the person is being demonized or influenced in certain ways. And you're like, this relative of mine is like out of their mind. That's right, they are, because they're being influenced from the demonic realm. Now, that's a little scary to think about that because it boils down even to individuals. There are what's called familiar spirits, and familiar spirits boils down to the individual. And what is a familiar spirit familiar with? They're familiar with you. They watch you. They see what you're doing. And that gives them the ability to tempt you in areas. They know your proclivities. They understand where you're coming from. And they can deceive you if you're not careful. This comes straight down to the individual. That's how it applies to you. It's not just at the, at the top level of America. It's down to what's going on in your own home. And you have to be vigilant against them. They want to destroy you. They want to destroy your family. They may mean business. They don't take naps. They don't sleep. They have their orders and they're carrying them out. And here's the thing. If you do not resist, they will take your territory. The key is to resist them with the word of God, 
not to surrender, not to give up your positions, not to stop, uh, not to, uh, to stop talking and giving the truth out. The minute you stop talking and giving the truth out, they gain ground. You have to keep pushing the truth. And that's the way you resist. That's the only way. And look at the evil they're trying on us, guys. Real world examples. Growing babies in pods. And you know how we talked about this on Wednesday night, but here's the thing, man. Growing a baby in a pod, that means they will eventually decide who can have babies. Okay? This is part of the depopulation plan. They're not going to let anyone just have a baby. They'll say, you have to make the qualifications. Let's see your ESG score. And if your ESG score is good, then maybe we'll let you have a baby. One. But the rest of humanity will be not permitted to have babies because we're gonna destroy the planet with overpopulation, which is a lie. This is like sci-fi stuff. This is out of the Matrix, a movie 20-something years ago, and now it's, for, it's coming to fruition in our time. It fits how evil the world is. We're not gonna have parents raise babies, we're gonna grow them. That's freaky, that's evil. That's on the level of fallen angels to give humans this kind of mentality. Listen to Bill Gates. Is the population gonna get so big that feeding everybody and maintaining the environment is going to be impossible? Here we can see a chart that looks at the total world population over the last several hundred years. And at first glance, this is a bit scary. We go from less than a billion in 1800, and then three, four, five, six, and 7.4 billion where we are today is happening even faster. So Melinda and I wondered whether providing new medicines and keeping children alive, would that create more of a population problem? What we found out is that as health improves, families choose to have less children. And this effect is very, very dramatic. We find that in every country of the world, this is repeated. The population growth goes down as we improve health. So we've taken that chart that shows the global population growth, and we've actually extended it out all the way to 2100. And we can see that instead of continuing, it actually flattens out. Another way to see that is through this rate of population growth. And you can see that in the 60s, that reached a pretty high number, over 2% per year. And it's now come way, way down. Now, 11 billion people still a lot, but the good news is that the faster we improve health, the faster family size goes down. You just heard a serpent speak right through him. He's lying. Who in the world sits there and believes what this joker is saying? This guy's evil, okay? This is a fallen angel influence guy. He is telling you that as health improves, the population decreases? Is anyone, I mean, I, I, I'm not a scientist, but I know that's just totally bogus. As health improves, population increases every time because you don't have infant mortality you don't have sick children and all that like they do in third world countries he's lying to you 
So what is he saying if he's lying to you by saying, we want to increase health to reduce the population? Like a a vaccine that you're going to put into us? Sterilize us all? Make us die? Like dropping like flies? Yes, that's what he means. It's a lie. And the, the increase in health has to do with depopulating the planet whether they euthanize you or whether they stick an experimental drug in you and kill you later on. That's what he's talking about. And people, people don't see through this. That's fallen angel language. He speaks like a dragon. Now look at this. Extra 15,400 people, this is 13%, which is a lot, died in the first eight months of the year, according to a new analysis of Australian Bureau of Statistics data from the Actuary Institute, with around one-third of those having no link to COVID. Yeah. What, why are people dying unexpectedly all of a sudden? Oh, I know. Maybe it has something to do with the jab. Of course it does. And they can't explain it. More and more, we just drop dead. And now they're even saying, well, we don't understand why we have all these people die. This is above normal. This is 13% more than what we normally have. I wonder what's going on. Oh, the depopulation program is working. Thank you. How about this? This is another fallen angel thing. New World Order, coalition of private companies release a policy blueprint for state government officials to push a digital ID. So guess who's involved in this? AT&T, CVC. CVS, Discover, Equifax, Experion, FaxTech, Fidelity, JP Morgan, Chase, LexisNexis, Mutual, uh, Mass Mutual, MasterCard are all involved, PNC Bank, uh, Wells Fargo, US Bank, they're all involved in this. And they want to basically put a digital ID on you. You understand that this is com- gonna be combined with the digital currency. That's satanic. That's satanic. They want to unify all of us like they did at the Tower of Babel. Look at this. Man now, this is a Cambridge Dictionary changes definition of man and woman. Man now includes an adult who lives and identifies as a male, though they may have been said to be, have a different sex at birth. They included that in the dictionary. That's satanic, right? Going against God's order. Joe Biden signed same-sex marriage bill. Nothing more decent, more dignified, more American than signing that. Nothing could be more satanic, Joe, for you to sign that and redefine marriage. Nothing is more satanic than that. Fallen angel influence. And then like you saw in the the prophecy update, this is who they invite to the signage. Uh, A a drag queen artist, non-binary, is gonna be be there uh, when they sign the thing. when did in society this become normal? That's demonic. That's completely demonic. But right now, the, the fallen angels are ruling our White House. They have ruled it. They have taken that territory. They have taken the FBI. They've taken the CIA. They've taken the DOJ. They've taken all of our governmental institutes. They've taken education. It is not humans that are running these things. It's fallen angels running these things and indoctrinating them against God. At a point in time where we, we elect people who can't think straight. I'm not to be derogatory, the guy had a stroke, but yet he is not medically qualified 
to be in the Senate. This, this guy should be excused. Uh, New York Times points out he's like the, the most stylish guy in the world. All he does is wear hoodies like a teenager all the time. But he just performed a gay marriage. You say, well, you know, that's kind of normal. Yeah, it's par for the course, isn't it? We got a guy that can't hardly speak. We put into office that can't even think straight, can't put two words together, and he's over there marrying people, gays. That's, that's where we're at. That's fallen angel stuff. And then we have this going on with our kids. Drag queens, these are guys in a kindergarten class. This is where we're at as a country, right? That's a guy. Whoa, there's my gremlin thing. Now they're messing with me, guys. What in the world? See, I know you start tapping into that and they get mad. Did my signal just call totally off? I guarantee they're messing with us. The thing, did you see what it did? Dude, I don't think that's an accident. It's plugged in. How did I just lose the signal? Fallen angels. Hey, Brett, can you get uh, Alfonso? I need Alfonso bad. How did that happen, Bruce? Well, you start talking about them, they don't like it. No signal, Alfonso. I don't know what's going on. Well, um, I guess so, man. Okay, while we're waiting, let's open up the questions. Okay, <laughs> let's go. Go ahead. That's a good question. What is that? Are they going to have souls, these babies born in pods? I don't know, because we're manufacturing them in a, in a lab. I, 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 well, if you want to, I, I don't know. I don't think so, because look, God, according to Zechariah chapter 14, sorry, 12, Zechariah 12 says that God is the one who creates the soul that he puts into the human. So, I'm... Okay, so I don't know if, if they'll have a soul. Isn't that scary? We're back, we're back to um, Nephilim stuff, you know? We think we're good, Alfonso? Okay, all right, let's go back. But yeah, good question. Um, yeah, thanks, Alfonso, you're the man. God bless you, man. Okay, so here's what we find out about all these drag queen things. They're all sex offenders, okay? So they're bringing them in, and, and surprise, surprise, oh, we're on Megan's Law, oh, we're on this, oh, he's the, he did this, oh, he did that, and we're inviting them to be with our kids. That is evil. That is fallen angel stuff, right? So as all the, all the evil that's going on, guys, all the, the junk, I mean, we're talking about growing babies in a pod, okay? Soulless Soulless humans, for what? I, it's creepy, isn't it? 
why all this is going down, what is the church doing? Nothing. Staying silent. This is what the church is doing. Popular megachurch pastor does cringy sermon illustration cuddling with a naked mannequin in a bed. Yeah. I, you, I don't make this up. I don't make stuff up. Like I just report the news. Here it is. Here's the facts. Why the church, why this evil is going on, this is what the church is doing. Okay? Another mega pastor suggests growing weed on church property to attract black males and teach them to farm. You can't make this up. Dude, where is this guy coming from? How about this? Drag queen preaches a sermon on interfaith church service. This is a drag queen. You're looking. She goes, I can't pee safely. What? What are you talking about? You can't urinate safely? Charismatic, this is um, Rod Parsley. The dude's off the chain, by the way. He's always been off the chain. But he then goes out and says, the Bible is wrong. Jesus never said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, what Bible is he reading? I mean, total denial of what the Messiah said at the cross, right? Which is Psalm 22. Um, and so here's the thing. We're, we're entering, the, we're in the Christmas season and we're supposed to be celebrating the birth of the Messiah, right? But at the church level, they're not. They're having Christmas pageants with Santa Claus. And they have, uh, this is Hillsong, uh, and this is like, uh, this is Santa Claus who is breakdancing and he's doing some flips, okay? With chefs in the background. I, I, I don't understand it. This is the entertainment, not worship, but entertainment that's going on in the churches today. Look at this, watch. I thought we're celebrating the birth of the Messiah. Look at the production level. It's like Las Vegas a production, like a Broadway show. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What does that have to do with the birth of Messiah? It doesn't do anything, that's why. You're here, sitting here, learning about fallen angels and, and the, the war behind the war, and they're celebrating Santa Claus riding off in a sleigh. I, I, something's amiss. Something's not right. I like what Spurgeon said about this. He said, uh, a time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. <laughs> Perfect. I love that. Even though I'm not a fan of his Calvinism, I love that quote. He's totally right, man. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let me ask you this. I'm gonna show you a e couple emails, okay? These are emails of, of a, a, a pastoral group that I used to be involved in, Okay? Now, this was a long time ago, but I still get their emails, and they still meet as a group, okay? And they meet as a group here locally, 
These are local pastors here in town, okay? I'm no longer in this group because I was heading in a different direction than what these guys are doing, okay? So we all this junk going on, babies in pods, transgender and you know, kindergarten, all this evil going on, right? You would think that if pastors are gonna get together, we're gonna pray for our country, we're gonna pray for our church, we're gonna pray for our people and pray against this evil that's going on, right? You'd think that's what you would get together for and having a prayer breakfast. Not these guys. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's meeting. Our topic, what is the first Christmas sermon or Bible study you taught? I printed out my first sermon on the handout. Are these guys out of their minds? You guys, you pastors, are sitting around talking about your stupid first sermon, Christmas sermon. And all hell is breaking loose in our society, and that's what you guys talk about? You are checked out. You are gone. No one can rely on you. I wish I could show this email to all of their churches and say that's what your pastor is spending time on. He's Laodicea worrying about that it's, as far as we need to uh, you know, pray against abortion and all that. No, no, we're gonna talk about our first Christmas sermon. This is the same group that put this email out when COVID was going on. Point number two, PPP, this is the government's protection plan where employees, including churches, can borrow money to make payroll for the next few months. Does it shock you that the group that's talking about their first Christmas sermon is the same group selling out for PPP money from the government? Here's their emails. These are local pastors. So I, what, why are you telling me this, Brandon? Because I want you to know what's even happening here locally, how checked out the churches are. You cannot rely on a lot of them anymore. They're checked out. They're in fantasy world. They're acting like nothing's happening. They don't even recognize the angelic conflict. Crazy. But what happens? So this angel gets held up by the prince of Persia. Can't get loose can't make it through into the region. So what happens? Another angel has to come and help him. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Michael is Israel's prince. He is their guardian angel. And he has to come and help this other angel out because he's stronger in that sense. But he's also related to Israel because the message is getting to Daniel, which is getting to Israel. So the prince of Israel must come to help him. And, and so what you start realizing is that even there's certain angels on the good side that have more power versus other angels who don't. They have lesser power. So not all angels are the same power, okay? Satan is very powerful, by the way. He's a cherub, and Satan is an arc cherub. Satan is probably the most powerful angel that God ever created. Even though he's fallen, he's still the most powerful uh, Michael is an archangel, which means he's very high-ranked and he's very powerful as well. So it took his, him to wrestle this away. And then he goes on, this other angel, for I had been left alone there with the kings. Notice the, the plural. It wasn't just one king of Persia. It's multiple kings of Persia. And so Michael had to help me. Am I getting the same thing? 
Now, what I wanna point out this is you have this conflict with the angels and fallen angels. The great news is for you and I is that God has sent the good angels to protect us, to minister to us, and to help us. By the way, each of you sitting here has a guardian angel. You've had a guard, your guardian angel since you were born. You will meet your guardian angel upon your death or at the rapture. But you have guardian, uh, a guardian angel. And, and you might have mul multiple ones, uh, maybe two possibly. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, talking about children. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What does that mean, that angels that see the face? That means they're high-ranking angels, and these high-ranking angels stand in the presence of God, and they guard humans. They guard children. And, and so it's, it, there's a protection there that God gives, obviously. Notice there's a protection given to the churches. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? Every church has an angel that guards it. Rock Harbor has an angel that guards it, let alone he, he also fights off a lot of fallen angels that would try to disrupt us and try to mess with us. So we have that, that, that angel, we'll meet him in heaven when we get there, uh, you'll get to know his name, and, and he says, I was with you guys all the way. And then on a personal level, you have personal angels, obviously for guardian, and it says this in Hebrews, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Uh, and the idea that the sal inherit salvation is not, not being saved, you already are saved. Inherit salvation has to do with rewards uh, the, in the world to come. And so um, you have ministering spirits that are there to help you through this battle, okay? That's how God aids you. <clears throat> Oops. And then uh, Luke 16 talks about at death or at the rapture probably, um, so it was w that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. Well, we don't go to Abraham's bosom anymore. We go to heaven now. So the angels apparently take us when we pass from this life to the next, you're escorted by two angels and probably both of them are your guardians. Um, so you, God has sent them to help us in this war. Anyway, he goes, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people Israel in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me. I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. So when he had spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So the angel somehow supernaturally strengthens him back up. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. So there's, he's, they're, they're not done. They have to fight more. And when I had gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. So I, after Persia, I have to contend with the prince of Greece. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Now, all this has to do with Israel, right? That 
What comes after in Daniel's visions, you have uh, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then Rome. Well, they're in the era of Persia, and what's coming next is Greece. So Greece is on the rise, and its fallen angel is on the rise. So he says, I gotta take care of Persia, and then I've gotta go take care of a new prince that's threatening Israel, and that's the prince of Greece. And so he's telling you the behind the scenes uh, battle that's going on, and he says, no one's helping me except Michael, because Michael's associated to Israel, and Michael's more powerful. So he's facing very powerful angels in this. Okay, so with that being said, that's the war that's going on. You're like, well, how does this affect me? How does this, how does this relate to me, Brandon? Because, okay, there's this war. It comes down to how you're fighting your spiritual battle. That's where it, what it comes down to. And it has to do with giving up territory. So when I showed you that email of these local pastors who are just messing around, they have given up their territory. You see what I'm saying? They're not involved in the war. They've checked out. And you know what? Satan leaves them alone. He leaves them alone because they're no threat. Okay? So here's what happens on a personal level. You decide to get into the war. Great, we need you. And once you get into the war, you realize all these issues that we're fighting against, right? I mean, it's hot and heavy, and, it's, and the, the bullets are flying, so to speak, spiritually, and it's a mess. It's a big battle, and you jump in the middle of that and start, start battling. And you start standing up for the truth, and you start speaking the truth in love, and you start taking stands for stuff. The minute you do that, they will now then attack you. They will try to stop you. And that's where you have to realize that you have to push through and resist the devil and he will flee. Well, how do I resist the devil? You resist all of them with the word of God. That's how you resist. It is your weapon. That's why it's called a sword. And you have to learn how to use the sword properly. But see, these pastors that are wor worried about their Christmas sermon don't know how to use the sword. They do not know how to fight. So the, the skill set that you need is you need to learn how to use the sword if you're gonna get into this battle. What do you mean? It's not enough to do a five-minute devotion and think you're okay. You have to dig and dig until you know that scripture backwards and forwards so that you can use it and know how to apply it at the right time, at the right person. Otherwise, you don't know how to use the sword. You might have it sheathed, but you can't pull it out because you don't know how to use it. The reason people are losing the war is they don't, they don't know how to use the word of God and that allows them to give up ground. And so they don't know what to say, they don't know what to do, and they retreat. And they retreat back into where there's no influence anymore. The salt has lost its saltiness. So what we need from you is to get in the game, to start fighting. And yes, these are intimidating foes, but you have angels to help you, and obviously God will help you, and you have his word. So in that sense, you shouldn't be afraid. Fear does not come from God, it comes from the enemy. So 
when you get to a certain level in your spirituality, you will see the evil and you will have the ability to confront it and face the evil face to face because you have mightier weapons on your side and greater is, uh, is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You don't, not, you don't need to be intimidated by the transgender agenda. You don't need to be intimidated by school boards. You go in there and you go with boldness and confidence and you confront the evil. That's how God wants you to operate. And when you do that, you take territory from the enemy. That's what it's all about. It's about sacred space and taking territory. From this point on, Rock Harbor is in a war. You go to a church that's in a war. And we need you. Please be in the trenches with us because everybody is required. We cannot do this alone. But at the end of it, if we fight well, at least we could say, Lord, we didn't give up any ground. We actually took ground for you. And you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn from this angelic conflict. It's amazing to think that all this is going on in the heavenlies, but it's the reality. It's the reality of what we're involved in, and we recognize that we're in a, a horrible battle. It's a terrible battle. It's not fair. A lot of the way, the way these creatures act, they're invisible, they, they're deceptive, they hit you in your weaknesses, they tempt you. But Father, you have given us all the armor that we need to be in this battle. Help us to put on that armor, help us to study your word and know it, and be able to claim territory back from the evil one. If there's anyone here, Father, that doesn't know your son, they would come to faith in him today, that they would understand that Christ died for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day, and gives everlasting life to anyone who will believe. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.